This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is pre-recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. Back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTKA.com. Sam Webb, Mr. Ira Weintraub on the other side, and it is time for the MGO Blog Roundtable. Plenty of topics to dive into this morning with the crew, uh, starting off with the man who started it all at MGO Blog, one Mr. Brian Cook. Brian, how are you this morning? I am well. And then we, of course, go over to his right-hand man. Mr. Seth Fisher. Seth, how are you? Uh, my right hand has been worn down to a nub by writing Hill of the Victors right now. All right. Uh, and really? This... Is that, that's happening this year? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're working on it. Good deal. Uh, <laughs> all right. And then, of course, Craig Ross, who you heard from in the last hour there. And so we will dive right in, guys, on the topic that we've been talking about all week um, and definitely want to touch on it with you. Just Michigan getting robbed. I mean, they should have been going into the ninth sure. in their baseball game up nine to seven with a chance to close things out with what seems to me to be an obvious call, Brian. Now, you know, I know I can go off on officials uh, from time to time, but this seems to be one that even the the most neutral of of observer, or even those who are partial to officials, would have to agree that this was an absolute botching of a call. Well, I don't think you can ask me about it. We have Craig Ross on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're like, you have Picasso sitting right there, and you want to talk to me about it? I don't. I would get all. You know, he's the crescendo. Craig's the crescendo on this stuff. Well, you know, you know what Brian is saying in a very polite way is that I'm the king of the whiners, and and that and that may be true. The um, I guess I'd like to start with the fact that what Michigan baseball did postseason was really incredible. I mean, during the regular season, this is a team that had an ERA of 7.76 in the regular season of the Big Ten. They gave up eight and a half runs a game. The chances of them, them winning the Big Ten tournament with that was, to me, about zero. Yet, they... They won two games. He, uh, uh, Eric Bakic sort of reversed his pitching order, started <laughs> out with guys who he thought could, he could get an inning or two from and then saved his good pitchers till the end of the game or better pitchers. And and then in the game against Iowa, he just said, ah, I'm going to rest my pitchers. And they got killed in that game and 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 then came back and won it. It just, you know, it was really clever. And 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 his team bought in and he won. And then he did the same thing in the in the NCAA's. I thought there's no way he's going to win a single game. 
and and they beat Oregon uh, in uh, where he did the same thing. Finished with uh, Allen and Weston, probably you know the best he had, and uh, they hit the ball because this team always hits the ball over top, hits a couple home runs, and then in game two against Louisville, they do this, they do the same thing in front of in a Louisville place in a Louisville crowd. He does the same thing. He reverses things uh, and finishes with uh, Allen and Weston, and then in the third game, he says, "The hell with it. We don't have any pitching." that can play. We're just going to screw around and we'll see what happens. And they lose 20 to one. And, uh, and then in the last, and then in the next game where they can win the, still win the uh, tournament, the regional, uh, he starts O'Halloran who had started some games. O'Halloran gives up seven in the first after Michigan scored two, it's seven to two. There's a rain delay. At this point I've given up. Uh, I come back after the rain delay and lo and behold, Michigan is ahead nine to seven. And then in the eighth inning, Louisville gets six outs. For some reason, they get six outs because two guys struck out in that inning and both were consequential to their runs. And we're not talking about close pitches. We're talking about pitches right down the middle of the plate belt high that were called balls. Hey man, give it, me robots. Give me robots. I know. And it, it was terrible. And then they get this call at second base by a guy who's a Louisville fan. Cause apparently they got Louisville umps doing the games. Uh, and I'm not going to criticize that call cause it was close, but this means Michigan gets out of the inning up nine, seven going to the Ninth, which probably means they have at least a 50-50 or better chance of winning the game, up to with one in, one inning to go. And uh, it looks to me like he's out. Looks to the announcers like the guy's out. Looks to everyone in, who's paying attention to the game, including the Louisville fans when they focused on them. They knew what had, what had gone on. Uh, okay, it's a close play. I can understand how, how, the, how the ump missed it. And it goes to replay, and who's in the replay booth? Kevin Warren. Kevin <laughs> Warren is in the replay booth and decides. <laughs> now we've got it. There we go. <laughs> and, and they and, and they Kevin and Warren, they blow, Adolf Hitler, and <laughs> yeah. And so they they blow T.J. Duckett on, in the repo. And, yeah, right. And they and they blow the call, and uh, and and then. That ends up, they score four runs on this and Michigan loses and they get a double on the top of the ninth, but they're playing for two runs, not one. So that's, that's, they, they can't uh, construct it there. I mean, it, it, it was terrible. There's no one who's, who's supporting this call, not Louisville fans, not, you know, not anybody. Michigan state fans are, uh, are very loudly supporting it. Their their favorite thing in the world is when Michigan obviously got screwed. They they yeah. love it. They're, it's their favorite. Yeah. yeah, winning Michigan losing unfairly is like you know perfect for them. That's exactly yeah. what they they love. It it's their message board. My brother in law like I I know too many Sparties and every yeah. single one of them wanted to call and gloat that Michigan got hosed. <laughs> yeah. So in any event, you know it's hard to th- believe that Michigan would do much. In the super regional, of course, I thought there was zero chance they would do anything in the Big Ten tournament, and there was and there's zero chance that they would do anything in in this regional. Yet they did. That's credit to the team. They had great hitting. It's credit uh, to their coaching. And there's a rumor that came out yesterday. It's been 
reported a number of places that uh, Bakic has uh, been offered $1.3 million by Clemson. My understanding is he's paid 400000 by Michigan. Uh, whether this is true or not, I don't know, but uh, that's a lot of money for a baseball coach at Michigan. Wow. And it also implies that Hut- Hutchinson's contract is, I think, up this month. I haven't heard anything about that, but if they pay him $1.3 million, do they have to pay, you know, uh, her $1.3 million too? I don't know what you know what what their situation is on see this this and i don't know if it's it's true or not but to me this guy you i think you gotta you gotta do whatever you gotta whatever you have to do to keep him i mean it's it's one thing for a coach to leave for a pro job right but i think michigan had had done a really good job across the board of making it so coaches don't leave for lateral moves like they don't leave for money right this would be this would be a money move because he has made Michigan a national program. You look at a lot of coaches that are, are you know, characterized. They're, that's a good coach. What does that really mean in the grand scheme of things? I think you can see it. It's tangible with Eric. He knows how to promote his program. He runs a clean program. He can clearly scout. I mean, he went and got Jordan Wogu as a walk-on from Pioneer. He finds Jordan Brewer. He was just supposed to be like a throw-in guy. Right. Joe Stewart was like batting in a rec league somewhere. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's mean, just that's really true. I, I mean, that, he goes Joe's, and he finds yeah. these guys and they become like dudes. Yeah. And then so we're talking at the end of this season. They, they had no business winning the Big Ten tournament, to your point, yeah. Craig. And he's like, look, this, we're going to hit. That's going to happen. I got to figure out the buttons to push with this pitching staff down the stretch here in the tournament. And if we win, we're in a tournament. We're going to win. And he did. And they did it. And this is not. He took them to the World Series. This is a guy who checks all, literally checks all the boxes. You can't lose this dude to a Clemson. Do you understand a $1.3 million a year in baseball is, that's not like what they're paying normally. Like Vandy, I think, pays their coach that. And that's, and like, that's it. I I don't think anyone else is, 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 over a million dollars in college baseball right now. That's like a Saban to LSU contract that they're offering him right there. So if you're going to match, you're looking at Michigan saying, look, we've got – we're I'm, okay. But if you're doing that, you're, you're trying to build the biggest program in the country. You're, you're, you're saying, look, we're going to you know treat this like the football program. That's you what have, you're saying. Here's what I wonder. Do you have to pay, do you have to pay him 1.3? Or can you do what they just did with Kim Barnes Rico? And I think I think Kim, what did her salary go up to? Ira was seven, eight hundred, something like that. I think it went up to. Now Rutgers was looking to make a they were looking to make a splash and hire a big name coach. And they were gonna put a lot of money down to get it. And and Kim's name was one of the ones that they mentioned in NJ.com as one of the big time coaches they were targeting. But obviously, Kim, I don't know how far things got with that. But she's not the coach there. And they go and hire Coquise Washington, the associate head coach from Notre Dame. She had been the head coach at Penn State, and they pay her about $725,800, something like that, where it was that they were willing to pay like they were paying Vivian Stringer. I think she was paying, getting paid like a million dollars. Clemson my job is not is, just money, though. Yeah, you, my, my point is, if you if you were going to bring in Kim Barnes or Rico, Mm-hmm. You're probably were going to bring her in for more than you're paying Coquise Washington, who is a associate head coach. You're getting seven twenty five, eight hundred, and you were just paying a million. 
So reasonable to assume that that's about what she was getting offered. You know, close to a mil, if not over, and she's staying at Michigan in the seven, eight hundred thousand dollar range because she built the program. You're paying her much more than you were before. I wonder if the same formula could apply to Eric Backus. Do you have to pay one point three, or could you pay, you know, eight nine? I'm not speaking out of the man's pocket, but could you pay something like that, a much higher salary, and keep a guy at a program that he built? I mean, he he's maybe, taking maybe, baseball. But you can build a basketball program. At. You can build a basketball program and win in Michigan. Building a baseball program in Michigan, the way everything is set up right now, <clears throat> is is playing with one hand behind your back. It's it's. I mean, what Backage has done is amazing. But like, there's not a lot more he can do. You only get twelve scholarships to spread around this team, and they keep that low so small Florida teams and whatnot can stay can keep playing. Clemson is there. Clemson can, I mean, he has personal ties to Clemson and you could build a national contender at Clemson. You could be, you know, battling UNC every year, especially if they're going to put that kind of money towards their program. I would not fault Backage, and I don't think that Michigan can come up with a package if that's, if he's really, unless he really, really loves being in Ann Arbor and wants to raise his kids here. I can't see how we would be able to compete with that. I mean, when you look in the baseball landscape, Clemson is one of those places that could make that happen. See, but he is competing at that. I mean, I guess my point is he took Michigan to the World Series, right? This this team that you felt like had no business being there. I we I know, I know. I, so but baseball is, is it, weird. But baseball is weird, number one. Number two, it's impossible to get pitching up in the north because the way that teams find pitching a lot of times, they look around people's old starters and, and – they, they pay him. They, it's, 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 I guess it's I guess, old school, I just, ball, you know. Like I take a page out of his book, and he keeps saying, and he said for years, and he's been backing it up. He's like, man, I can get everything done to be a top program here. Now I know you got to say that as the coach at Michigan, right? But yeah. he actually goes out and does it. So I mean, it seems to me that this dude can can do the exceptional. That he can compete at a level that you don't see Northern teams compete at our northern let me ask you let me ask you a question would you would you question a coach that's had a ton of success at like say when shaka smart left virginia uh, vcu to go to texas did you question that i did not that's what this is big 10 baseball is mid-major baseball acc baseball is high level but is high major baseball that's the difference between the two and that's what Seth's trying to say but that's i mean you just gotta call what is big 10 baseball is mid-major baseball if is that changing a little bit i mean michigan went to the world series maryland was a one seed in this tournament and nobody else got in rucker should have <laughs> and, and should have been nobody yeah. else got in it's a mid-major conference still it's All and right. it's probably not changing anytime soon yeah it the only way it would change is is if uh the big 10 did some very radical stuff which we've talked about and they should have so i don't want to can can we talk about that though because here's the second boys. time this year that one of the Big Ten teams has been screwed out of the playoffs. Rutgers deserved mm-hmm. to get in. There's no argument that Rutgers should not have been in the playoffs. Michigan gets hosed by, I mean, amateur hour. And side note, <laughs> this is the NCAA trying to go back to amateurism, right? They they wanted to defend amateurism forever. There's nothing more amateur than having a fanboy umpiring a big game like that because he's local. Anyway... Uh, no, that's that's true. I mean, Warren you, should be. In, but, yeah, but yeah. Warren should be livid right now. He should be out. In front, these are his programs. And like, 
I, I understand maybe trying to save it for base, for football or basketball or whatever, but this guy is never getting behind his teams. Where is he? Where is where is the guy who should be shouting? Because when yeah. this happens to other conferences, they are you know all over the news. Like they are they are upset, and no one's been screwed more than Big Ten baseball. Big Ten baseball and Big Ten softball are absolutely being screwed at every single turn at the NCAA, um, functionally on the field, off the field, and in the entire system of baseball. Every decision is made for what's best for like a UCF, and they. The Big Ten's got to say, look, this is silly. We can't play. We only get three weeks to play in our stadiums. We can't have no access to players because we only have twelve scholarships. We, you know, this this is not how you're supposed to be running an athletics program. So, I mean, the Big Ten, it's time for him to get mad. It's time to get mad and vocal. And if they need to, pull out. Big Ten baseball can pull out of the NCAA. They can play wood bats. They can play all summer. They could. <laughs> Get better recruits, <laughs> and they could they and they would get, and 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 people would love it. They'd fill these. They're beautiful stadiums. These are towns that stay full during the summer, and there's nothing else going on. Apologies to our soccer friends. There's nothing else going on in town over the summer. You know, I I've been saying this like it seems like once a year on this show for ten years now, and the one person who said he was going to do it and then got left the position was Bill Martin who I had a conversation with, he said, Hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to organize us. I'm getting us out. Cause this is stupid. And I said, yeah, why are we playing baseball? The summer game in the winter. And, and, and that makes no sense. There was a game um, right in the regular, maybe the last regular season games in Ann Arbor, they were packed. Michigan wasn't doing anything. They weren't winning a championship a regular season championship. They had big crowds on a nice Friday night. Uh, beautiful environment. People were happy to be there. We had a uh, raccoon game this year. Like if 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 you if if people managed to stay, if we managed to stay playing, if we were still playing right now, there'd be raccoon T-shirts and stuff like that because of the, the silly raccoon game, right? Well, look, man, I, I think to to get back to the original point, if if you if you just lay down and let Eric Backish go, uh, then you, then you're I think you're conceding. That it matters as, as much as I think it has come to matter in at least at Michigan. Maybe it doesn't matter in the Big Ten. Maybe the Big Ten can see. Maybe the reason Kevin Warren isn't speaking out because ah, it's just baseball. And Big Ten baseball doesn't matter. We're just a mid-major conference. So 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 what? Right? Maybe he has that mentality. No, I, I don't know. My my point is, if you want to keep Eric Backich, you have to commit to, to the Big Ten not being a mid-major conference anymore. There is no reason to let it get this bad. You're talking about Bill Martin. That was 20 years ago. Yeah. And it's gotten, they've moved the moved baseball back another month since then. And it's gotten so bad that, I mean, Oklahoma State was complaining this year about playing in the cold. Because, like, you know, they, they have to play half their teams. And they, they get pulled into these tournaments as well, right? Like, the early part of the season for baseball and softball is all tournaments and they're all hosted in like Miami or California, Arizona, and everyone has to go down there. So everyone's oh, yeah. traveling the yeah. first month of the season. It's not just the, the big, te- it's not just the Northern teams. Everyone gets drawn down there. The only people it helps are the teams that get to host Florida and whatever. Right. And it's well, they're, they're the minority. Why are we caring so much about their needs? Let's have baseball around the country. This is a baseball okay, now country. That's, a, that's that's a bigger picture, a bigger and I agree with you. 
But Michigan's got to commit. If they're going to, if you're going to throw one point three million dollars at Backage, the way to do that is say we're not just going to do this. We're going to lead the Big Ten out of the NCAA, and we're going to change baseball. We're going to bring baseball back, college baseball, back into a major sport again. Because yeah. we've let this slip way too long. If you're going to commit to that, you have to get everybody on board and do it. Yeah, I don't want to. I, I don't want to be too hyperbolic here, but you lose it. It's a Titanic loss. If he goes, mm-hmm. I, I just don't see how you replace him with with anything uh, comparable. He, he's tremendous. He, he, I mean, he he might be. I mean, you have a lot of um, coaches at Michigan who are good interviews. <clears throat> he might be the best. I mean, I mean could you go higher Fetter? Hey, if they if there's enough money, might, yeah, if there's yeah. enough money, but would he come back? I mean, if you're, what would it cost to get him to come back? I don't if you're going to pay Eric package, can you pay Chris Fetter enough to leave the Tigers? Hey, if I you, mean, the Tigers are not good at baseball. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, but if you look at but what it's not he's because done of Fetter, though, they can't hit. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, their, has, their pitching's been been actually got. Yeah, really he good, has Eric Skubal looking like he's going to be that guy. Yeah. I mean, here's the other thing. You can make the extra money in beer sales, and that's not hyperbolic. You, you, I mean, especially if it's good beer. I mean, you, you can sell beer at the stadium uh, on a nice weekend night. You're going you're gonna to make up your money. You're going to have people showing up. You're going to have excitement in town. Uh, they'll travel down to Bowling Green or Toledo or East Lansing uh, to watch games, too. And you can make money in this game, but the Big Ten has steadfastly refused. Uh, and why I don't know. Uh, it, there's nothing in this that makes sense. The hell, the NCAA is nothing. The NCAA at this point is nothing. They run a basketball tournament. Yeah, man, you, know? you talk about gut punch. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's that I, I'm saying is you're if if he's going, you're admitting yourself to be a mid major, and that's what they are. I mean, you know, Schnabel might not follow him, but like that's there. There's no way to hold on to Backage without changing the system. That's what's the problem. Not, you know, not whether or not Michigan loves Backage, not whether he would stay if, you know, Michigan could offer the same. But there's no reason to pay a coach one point three million dollars to coach a mid-major team. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you, you're. You're saying it. Incidentally, I don't know if if anyone's noticed Michigan's uh, letter of intents in baseball. They killed it. They absolutely. He said it. He said he absolutely killed it. Trick. Did you yeah. hear? He said that I didn't hear we that. we are now seeing about to see the players that we recruited off of mm-hmm. the world the World Series run. The guys that we started recruiting then. He said, provided they don't make a jump to the pros right, and they actually right. show up at Michigan. He said we killed it on the recruiting trail. Like nah. that's like a quote. Well, he did. I mean, I looked at the list, and then I I looked. I mean, uh, at at how they're evaluated. There isn't a lot of baseball evaluations, but there is a point. couple. Like he's but, bucking the trend. He's but, bucking the trend of this mid-major guy. Yeah. He said, "Hey, man, we recruit. We recruited some." The other quote was, "We recruited some dudes, like some yeah. big-time, big-time guys." The problem is, a couple of them are going to be first, first or second round picks in the major league draft coming up, and so the question. I mean, there's a kid at Orchard Lake uh, St. Mary's, Nolan uh, Schobert, who is probably a first round pick, and uh, there's some other kids who are close on this list, and so yeah, he also was real upfront. He go, uh, and I love this about him. He said, "Yeah, we're going to the portal." <laughs> yep, we're going into the. Portal. They do every year, though. Yeah, we're yeah. going to find some kids. You know, and this year, I mean, as Seth pointed out, they found uh, 
the Joe Stewart, uh, mm-hmm. who was had in his first three years at Michigan State had 17 or 19 at bats, something like that, was playing in a beer league. And, uh, you know, they found him and he's phenom- he was a phenomenal athlete, great center fielder, great hitter. Uh, one of their two best players this year. And, and a heart of the team. And like a, and you a know, heart of the team. Yeah. And so when and, he goes to the portal, it's consequential, man. Like yeah. he gets he gets guys that really, really show up and help. Yeah, the kid just, from Davidson, uh, Fry, the third baseman, was a phenomenal mm-hmm. third baseman and a really good hitter. Uh, and he got he came from Davidson, and uh, yeah, so they've you know he's done well, and in, in, in a, his player evaluation skills are obviously high level, uh, and he's got at least four or five pitchers in this group of thirteen who throw in the mid nineties. Now I don't know if they can throw it over the plate, but. <laughs> that's always a question you know but but the the you know there's a a six five kid up from uh, bay city who i think will stay i don't uh, name i think his name is tommy uh skrapansky he throws at 95 in high school so he's a big kid you know and so there's and the class is loaded with guys like this so i mean he's really done it i can't say enough good the only mistake I can, the only criticism I have is she, he had um, Storaco down in Louisville. She was attending the games. The camera, <laughs> the camera, she was. The camera loved her. The camera couldn't stay off her. And so they had Storaco. Got her on the, on the bottom. Absolutely. She, I mean, she could have pitched. I, I don't see why she couldn't have pitched. I think it's legal to throw it underhand. Get her out there. That that's my own my my only complaint. They should have used Starocco and and heck in the twenty to one game, it couldn't have gone any worse. Right, right, right. Well, hey man, keeping your fingers crossed. That would be. Mm. I understand. I don't want to make it sound like I don't understand your point, Seth, and your point, Ira. I get it. I understand what you're saying. I'm saying that if you let them go, that you're you're conceding that that is your place in perpetuity. Because yeah. if ever there's if ever there's a guy that's going to have you play consistently at a high level, this guy has shown he's that coach. Sam, you are absolutely right. That you if they, that you let him go, you're conceding that that's what you are. Unfortunately, that's what they are. Unless they're going to change the paradigm, and that's going to take a lot more than just paying the coach. Yeah. All right, we need to get to a break. We got a lot more to get to here on a spirited MGO Blog Roundtable. Hopefully, if we can give you something that makes you feel a little... I don't know if we can give you something that makes you feel a little bit... Probably won't give you something that makes you feel a little Let's bit Let's not better, talk right? about CJ Carr, then. <laughs> well, <laughs> we have to. We got to get to a break. <laughs> Be back on the other side here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 250 WTKA, the ticket. That'll bring him back. Clear on <laughs> radio. Hey, yeah, I, can't, yeah, yeah. I can't believe we talked 30 minutes on baseball. It's awesome. Well, it's because baseball, you, you, you know. I mean, I honestly... Um, I hadn't seen that $1.3 million offer. I, I, it's been, it's all over the internet. Now that doesn't mean it's true. True. Right. But, yeah. I but, think where it's coming from is a Clemson insider who said they're going to triple his salary. So I don't know okay. if I trust that number. Yeah. I don't know if I trust it either, but, but I'm hearing, I, it, I'm hearing things from, from people who actually care about baseball a lot. And mm-hmm. you know, people who message, message me on Twitter all the time are like, Hey, you know, here's what's going on. And it's serious. I mean, the Clemson yeah. it really wants to make them put themselves on the map. They want to compete with UNC, and they think that they can, you know, offer he would a do coach. It. Yeah, 
I mean, this this is a coach like some, I, I said it, you know, in the segment. You say that's a good coach. What what does that even mean? Like yeah. this dude, you can point to what it's it tangible. means. It's tangible. It's tangible that he that. Well, they think know, he's Saban. They think he's going to be Nick Saban for for baseball. I think he could be. I think he and could we're be. Michigan State. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's like dude on a stick, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like man, come on, dude. Ah, ah, man, I, that just would be, that would be tough. So we teased it. We previewed it. Wish we had better news. Celine, five-star quarterback, CJ Carr, who is a Michigan legacy multiple times over. Yeah. Slated to announce his decision later today. And no one thinks it's going to be Michigan. Uh, everyone I talk to. And certainly I am in agreement with my crystal ball pick. We think it's going to be Notre Dame. Not a surprise that Notre Dame uh, is and was out front. We uh, sort of put that out there a few months ago that Michigan was trailing in that race. But I am surprised by the timing. I thought Michigan would have more time to sort of make up some ground. Turns out not to be the case. Brian Cook, what do you make of the likelihood, if not certainty, that C.J. Carr will even will wind up announcing for Notre Dame. Well, this is kind of all part of the same piece, right? Like they beat Ohio State, they win the Big Ten, they go to the playoff, and then they have this chaotic offseason. They lose both coordinators. They lose Courtney Morgan. They have Jim Harbaugh flirt with the NFL, and they completely fail to capitalize on any of the recruiting boosts that you might get from actually getting over the hump. Um, <clears throat> and so... I kind of just think that this is a symptom of a, a larger issue. Um, and we've we've seen this kind of on and off with Michigan. They have a great class, and then they have a class that steps back because they have a lot of uh, personnel turnover. They just don't keep the same guys in the same positions for long periods of time. And there's a certain amount of chaos that goes with the Jim Harbaugh program, and I think this is part of it. Yeah, I mean, my my take on this is, uh, is, is I'm, I'm – uh, like everyone else, I want C.J. Carr at Michigan. Uh, it would be great. He, he's a great talent. Uh, he'll probably be a very fine college quarterback. Uh, the fact that he's the grandson of two Michigan legacies, uh, many people don't know. I think one of his grandfathers, his maternal grandfather, is Tom Curtis, mm -hmm. who was one of the best safeties who ever played in the Big Ten, let alone at Michigan, was played with the uh, Baltimore Colts and was a fine player in the pros. Um, and, and so that kind of hurts. On the other hand, you know, I could understand why a kid want, wouldn't want to go to a place where, you know, there may be a lot more pressure on him here than there is at, than there is at Notre Dame. Plus, he seems to have a nice relationship with Tommy Reese. Mm -hmm. I think that was, was truly key. And so the kid should go where he's happiest and most comfortable. And that seems to be Notre Dame. So good for him. I'm happy for him. I'm going to root for him unless they're playing Michigan. And I don't think they're scheduled to play Michigan until I, after I die. And, uh, and so the, uh, I just don't, uh, you know, it's hard for me to get too worked up about it. Michigan's in great situation on quarterback. They've got two quarterbacks. I think each of them have three years of eligibility left. Uh, and, and they're both good <coughs> good uh, you got you interviewed i think a kid today sam uh i think he has was that jaden day that you Jaden davis yeah man uh, jaden davis yeah he was that was an incredible interview 
I mean, it's hard to believe that kid is however old he is. Uh, I think Michigan has a reasonable shot at him. I think he's the number one in the class. They have a kid, Julian Saden, uh, who's a very fine quarterback, who's on their uh, radar. Michael Van Buren is another one who's a five-star, four or five-star on their radar. And then in 2025, you got the kid at Belleville. Now, I don't, Belleville poses a separate problem, but that Bryce Underwood. So there's a bunch of quarterbacks out there right now that Michigan should have reasonable opportunities to get. I don't think Michigan's going to have a problem at quarterback in the sh- short to midterm. So I think we should celebrate what CJ wants to do. He's from a fine family, uh, one that we all respect. And uh, so good, you know, love to have him at Michigan, but if this is his best choice, let him make his best choice. Good for him. Mr. Fisher? I mean, the guy's a 2024 quarterback. 2024, not 2023. So, I mean, yes, it's kind of, it, it, it's, Brian's right that this is a, there is something going wrong with Michigan's recruiting right now. And it comes back to like they, the chaos that they have at their, um, at the top, the fact that they can't hold on to even program guys uh, who should have been able to get this done. And they're not necessarily getting what they thought they would get out of um, certain hires. I know it, 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 it just as bad as saying a car is not going to go to Michigan is saying like Mike Hart is not getting it done or Denard Robinson doesn't really know what he's doing yet in that position. You know, we have uh, these guys that we brought in that we love the hires because we love the guys. You know, every Michigan fan adores Mike Hart. Every Michigan fan adores Denard Robinson. Every Michigan fan and here's the name Carr and we respect that name. Uh, but it's not always what you expect based off of what they were or what their parents were or their grandparents were. So, like, you know, I think the guy, uh, one of the readers wrote in just now, if his name wasn't Carr, we wouldn't be sweating this. It's symptomatic of a problem, but, like, it's not like Michigan lost, you know, a program-changing guy here. They lost a guy that they should have been able to get, and it shows that they have some things that they have to fix in their program. I think losing Courtney Morgan was ten times worse. Yeah, so a couple of things. I, I think with, with Denard, I think it's just a matter of, you know, you, you're bringing in a pro guy. I think Denard can be wildly effective. I think it's just a matter of deploying him in a more concerted way on the recruiting trail. Like, I, I think Denard can be a recruiting asset for Michigan. Can be. Well, yeah, I mean, why did they, they use him in that capacity? I mean, the and issue has, is how okay. long has. Tommy Reeves been talking to CJ Carr. Yeah. Yeah. And how long has Denard been to talking to CJ Carr? Fair turnover, not necessarily the personnel is currently. Right. It's it's a great point. Tommy Reese has been been on him. Tommy Reese has been on him longer than than Weiss, even. So, you know, he's had more time on task with that relationship. But to Brian's point, the the turnover created some openings that I mean are not just being seized upon, but are just being absolutely just torn through. I mean, Notre Dame is killing it on the recruiting trail. It was always the case, though. Here's the glass half full if you're Michigan or a Michigan fan. No, Notre Dame nor Michigan or anyone else is going to get both of these guys. Now, Notre Dame was leading for Dante Moore and C.J. Carr. They are not going to wind up at the same school. I am. I am. I would be shocked <laughs> if, if Dante still wound up at Notre Dame. That creates an opportunity for Michigan. And same applies to Michigan. They were not going to get both of these guys. You just got to get one. So if you get Dante Moore, 
then all of a sudden, yeah, I mean, it sucks to see a car go to a rival, but you got Dante Moore. You got a guy that's a five-star guy that's coming in immediately on the heels of what is likely to be uh, two, two more and done for J.J. McCarthy. You're still winning and winning in a big way. Now, if you miss on both of them, now you got you got real problems that I think you got. If you miss two five-star quarterbacks, both of whom you have inherent advantages with, and they're homegrown, so to speak, and there's just no sugarcoating how big of a loss that would be. Fortunately, again, it looks like that this helps you. This helps you along the path with Dante Moore. We'll have to wait to see how that shakes out. And, and the Jaden Davis piece, he just visited last week. They're off to a good start. Very contested can- recruitment for an out-of-region guy, a southern guy. But you do have his uh, his teammate is Jonathan Goodwin's son. Jonathan Goodwin is on the staff there. You got a guy that can that can really vouch for you with that kid and with that family that gives you an end that you wouldn't otherwise have. So it's not all bad, but I do think, uh, to Brian's point and to Seth's as well, that, you know, they – there are some things that they're going to need to address, if not immediately, certainly as they get into the next recruiting cycle. Well, there's two things that strike me. I mean, Brian's right. You look, you look at our recruiting right at the moment, it looks pretty inert. Uh, and, you know, I think on your site, Sam, we're sitting at around number 30. Mm-hmm. Northwestern is like four. And, uh, but it's a long way to go. In last year's recruiting class, I think, will prove to be a killer. I think last year's recruiting class is really, really going to be a good class. And, uh, and I think it was somewhat under, underrated by the recruiting services. The, uh, this year's class, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see, wait and see what happens. But I, I think by the time the dust settles, this will t- still be a top 10 to 15 recruiting class. And I think last year's class will be really good. And I wouldn't panic. I mean, I do believe that Harbaugh's idea that it makes more sense to coach Kirk Cousins than it does J.J. McCarthy is quite mysterious and, and to be honest, hurt. Because I've seen numbers of, numbers of uh, players saying that opposing coaches are stressing this. And they're stressing, here's a guy who doesn't really want to be there. And that's being used... Uh, as as rec- recruiting ammunition against Michigan right now, uh, I think that's a short term reality. I, I think that that Harbaugh is here for the mid to long term. I don't, but it did hurt, and 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 at the moment, coaches are are just hammering Michigan with that. Yeah, I think I, I think that you are hitting on a key point. I, I think panic is is ridiculously out of place right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned no- Northwestern being at number four or five. Northwestern won't finish with the number four or five. No. Guys <laughs> no. Right. No. Uh, Rutgers and, number 10 and, at this time last year. <laughs> right. Right. A&M and, and Bama are in the thirties too. Right. So you are going to see a shift. It is though pretty clear that Notre Dame, Penn state and Ohio state are going to have outstanding classes. Uh, Michigan state is going to have at least a decent class. Right. Yeah. And so you, that is not going to change. How does Michigan finish relative to those teams? And what, what if anything, can we draw from this finish? I mean, there, there are some fans. So this gets to the other end of the spectrum. 
You shouldn't have fans who are panicking. You also shouldn't have fans say, ah, there's nothing. There's no yeah. sign of, of, of con- reason for concern, right? Those fans say, hey, well, look, they just look at Hassan Haskins. He's arguably the most important contributor on last year's team, and he was a three-star guy that no one saw. And it's a great point that that was a great discovery, a great talent development. But what did what you aspire to be? A team that competes every four years because this was Hassan Haskins' fourth year? Or do you aspire to be a team that competes every year? If you're going to be a team that competes every year, then you had better be recruiting with teams that recruit that that compete every year, right? That's how I see it anyway. M- Michigan's Michigan's been really good, especially this last year, but I think that might have been Courtney Morgan a little bit. If finding guys that were under the radar, I mean they Hassan Haskins is a good example because he was a guy who always had that talent. As soon as we saw him on the field, he was awesome. And it was just like that people didn't know about him. Ronnie Bell is another guy people just didn't know about. They got a couple guys like that. Damani Dent, who they jumped on. Um, I think he's going to be a really good player. Uh, Alessandro Lorenzetti, I was just doing the write-up on him. And, like, everyone who sees him is like, wow, that's exactly where good offensive linemen come from. Now it's going to take a couple years to develop that guy. But they're, they've done a good job with the back end of the class. They've done the kind of job that Clemson, when they were winning national championships, would do with their – back-end recruiting it's the front-end recruiting where they're they've fallen behind again and like you know will, would they win a Rayshon Benny recruitment this year I'm not certain that they could now with Carr you can't just use that as the only bar I mean you don't even know if he's going to end up at Notre Dame Tommy Reese could have a head coaching job in two years right like a lot of things could happen Tommy Reese could drop the ball we've seen him do it before so <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the, you're going to end up having, you know, cycles and stuff like that. But it gets back to what Brian was saying. They need to have some consistency. They need to find guys who are working. I didn't want to like besmirch Mike Hart and Denard Robinson. I just wanted to say you got to make sure that those guys are in their best positions and that they have the time to, you know, to get good at it and figure out what they're good at and use that because they made mistakes this year that are hurting them with this class. Well, you mentioned Damani Dent. That was a, a guy that Courtney Morgan found. Right. Same thing with, with Zeke Berry. Kept yep. him on Keon Sab. <laughs> you know, found Deuce Spurlock. I mean, that was a recruiting guy that recruited. Like yeah. and he, why, he brought and, guys to the table. And yeah. why isn't Courtney here? He went to work for he went to work for Washington the bar. Yeah. Money. Money. He got he paid not, three he not times just leave. as much. It wasn't. It, it wasn't just, <laughs> just money. money. Maybe it was not it, just it, money. It, I mean, Kalen DeBoer is a, is a friend of his who gave friend. him his first shot, and he um, I mean, he was going to be really appreciated there, where I think he was kind of one of the cogs at Michigan. Hmm. Well, I know they paid him three times what Michigan was paying him, and I don't think Michigan offered it or offered to match it. And they should have. So, yeah. Yeah, they, they should have. They should have recognized what they had earlier, but he was not yeah. the, the position was not a sidestep, I wanna I wanna say. He he is like Kalen Denbor's right hand man over there and he was not gonna be Harbaugh's. Right. So you you have uh I mean there is also the NIL consideration too. We can't discount that as a factor in this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've speculated. Now this has nothing to do with the with the CJ Carr recruitment, mind you. But I've speculated that on top of, you know, the the recruiting prowess, the improvement in recruiting prowess of the Notre Dame staff, that I've speculated they also have a, a pretty aggressive NIL pitch. Now, I don't have anything tangible uh, to offer. I just suspect 
that that is that is the case with them. Again, nothing to do with the CJ Carr recruitment, but another piece to the puzzle that they may have working for them that that Michigan doesn't have working for it to the same extent at this point. So that's a another factor to throw in along with the turnover. This is a two-edged sword to some extent. I, I don't know if we mentioned it, the uh but last week or in the last week, I think it was Ryan Day who start who was yammering at his boosters that they had to put together $13 million to keep their players out of the transfer portal. <laughs> now that you know, in other words, we're You're just, just seeing emer- the emails, okay? This is ha- this has been going on at Ohio State for a long time. This is not the first time I, that these people know, have but- been told they need to come up with some money to keep their kids from from leaving yeah. Ohio State. It's just you're seeing the emails now. But if you're running that sort of a program, and I'm not being critical of it, you know, necessarily, but but when you're running that sort of a program, it has its own sort of problems. And and always saying, hey, we need another 10 million here. We need another 15 million here from your boosters. You know, at some point may not feel sustainable. I don't know. Uh, and so NIL isn't, you know, like I said last week, we should all be wearing our NIL shirts. Um, <laughs> but it's not uh, obvious that that the downsides of this at some point don't don't exist. Yeah, look, if they if they can get Dante Moore if they can drag some of these recruitments out through to the season, they can get some momentum because uh, they did a lot of their best work last year down the stretch. They yeah, were one they of the, did. as far as finishing was concerned, they were one of the top finishing teams in the country with the way they closed out that recruiting cycle. So can they pick up some more of that momentum? Uh, if they, if things fall right, they get Dante, they went on the field. There's a chance that that can, that can happen. And then if they keep some continuity, you know, if Denard's around, for more than a year, right? Where you can target him and, and put him on some recruits and have them build some relationships. Uh, you know, and and same thing with with the other staff member, Mike Hart too. I mean, they they, they tried to put Mike on on CJ Carr here at the very end to flip that around, what turned out to be the very end. Really, that's getting him in late in the in the recruiting cycle in that particular recruitment. And what wound up being too late for him to really have an impact on that one. But you know, might he have an, a greater impact on some other guys uh, deeper in the recruiting cycle? If they get some momentum, we'll see. That may that might be the case. We can hope, right? Mm-hmm. All right. That'll do it for this edition of the Recruiting Roundup. Man, this edition of the MGO Blog Roundtable. I hope we come back next week and Craig is saying, yeah, they re-signed Eric Backage. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we come back and say that, man. Because I want to close out that way. They lose Eric Backage. That that's that's one of those losses that I just don't know that you you, you recover from in the in the short term. So hopefully it doesn't come to that. We will talk basketball transfer portal next week. I promise. We just got carried away with these two topics. So we'll get into that next week. All right. Now to do it for us. See you next time here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTK the Ticket, the official voice of University of Michigan Sports Ann Arbor, a cumulus station. Mm-hmm.